Well, I was praying about tonight and this past week, I had to make a quick trip out of town and, and had some time that I was just uh, meditating and praying and, and the Lord just gave me a download of what to share with you tonight. So uh, I prepared that and, and just been so looking forward to this opportunity, not only to bring this to you, but to bring this to everyone who tunes in to, on our website or sees this in any of our video formats or listens to this on radio. I believe if you listen to what God is saying, this is not something that I came up with. It's not, it doesn't have my fingerprint on it. I've just tried to be a, a humble servant to deliver the message that God has. And, uh, and, and it all started when I was having a, a memory flashback, you might would say. Uh, I remember this uh, person in my life. They were very dear. Their family was very dear, very precious. And I remember them coming to me saying, you know, I, I don't know what's happened to my wife. And she was probably at that time maybe in her 60s and, and uh, said, I don't know what's happened to my wife, but she, would you pray for her? And I said, sure, I'll pray for her. And, uh, and we prayed, and, but I asked, what's going on? And, and she said, well, I don't know why, but I've started hurting all over. I hurt in my knees, and I hurt in my ankles, and I hurt in my hips, and I hurt in my shoulders, and I hurt in my elbows, and I hurt in my wrists, I hurt in my fingers. She says, I hurt in my eye sockets. I hurt everywhere. She says, I hurt all over. And, uh, and, and it interrupts my sleep. It interrupts what I can do. It's, it's gotten me depressed. It's gotten me to where, because I, I can't do simple function. I just hurt so bad. I hurt all over. And, uh, and I remember uh, we, were, we began to pray for her. And, and, uh, and, and she said that she'd come, gone to the doctors and they were doing all these tests. And, uh, and, and they came back. And they, at that time, they called it fibromyalgia, I think it was. Back then, I don't even know if they knew what fibromyalgia was. And they just used that to kind of describe what they didn't know was going on. I don't know if it's an autoimmune disease, uh, inflammation in all of your joints and your body fighting against yourself. I don't know all the details of it, but I remember her with her, her personality had changed. You ever seen someone that hurt so bad for so long, their personality changed? Well, her personality, she was always so bubbly and outgoing and, and always the leader of the pack. And now uh, she, she was not that person anymore. So I remember we prayed for her and and, uh, and, and she, she truly felt that uh, God's provision of healing was hers, and she took hold of it. Well, like I say, that was many years ago. She's probably in her later 70s, going on 80 now, and she probably outdoes me. And she does not live with that pain anymore. God healed her. God healed her. And uh, she is doing tremendous. You'd never know that she's about to touch 80 if you were to meet her. And uh, she is a vibrant, vibrant uh, young lady. And uh, her husband as well. And he's in his 80s, but God has blessed him tremendously, tremendously. But when this came to me, the Lord took me back to that. And I remember the desperation in her eyes as she was saying, why do I hurt so much? Why? I hurt everywhere, everywhere. And they were doing the research and trying to do the testing and everything to find out what it was. And, and the Lord says, as she, as much as you loved her and that family was so special to you, and you prayed and you saw me move. He says, there are people living with that kind of pain in their heart. There are people that are living with that kind of pain in their soul. And, and they're ashamed to talk about it. And they're, they're trying to cover it up. But it has literally masked the person that they were created to be. That they're not fulfilling the destiny that I've created them to fulfill. God said that this pain has gotten them off track. And they feel like the track that they're on is the track that they'll have to remain the rest of their life. And he said, I want you to bring a message of hope and healing to the body tonight. So that's 
where all of this came from. So we're going to look at Isaiah 53, and we're looking at verse 1. And uh, who has believed our report, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground. And he has no form of comeliness, and when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men. You can underline that. He is despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, and, and we hid as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded. He was wounded. All of this took place for a reason. He was wounded for our, say mine. This is for you. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. Hallelujah. Verse 3 again, I asked you to underline it if you or, or have anything in print. He is despised and rejected by men. He took that for you and for me. The Bible says Jesus was rejected by men. He was rejected by his family. The Bible tells us he was rejected by his hometown. He was rejected by his friends. His hometown friends rejected him. He was rejected, we find out even at the end, by his disciples. He was rejected even by his heavenly father. When he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? When, when Jesus took our sins upon him and Father God's head had to turn. And the Bible tells us, shows us in detail that all of that rejection broke his heart. Broke his heart. John 19 and 34 tells us that a soldier opened up his side with a spear to reveal to us blood and water flowing out of his side, showing that Jesus had not died on the cross, the regular, normal death of a cross, which would be asphyxiation. But Jesus' heart had burst under the pressure and the rejection and the pain that his heart had burst open in that pericardium site that was filled with water, mixed with the blood. And, and John lets us, through that soldier's act, see that he died of a broken heart. His heart burst open under the great pressure. Rejection is one of the deepest wounds a human spirit has ever had to endure. Some of us could pull up our sleeves and pull up our pant legs and we could show some scars. And we show those scars usually telling the story behind them. Dumb things happen, stupid things that we've done, that, that, and, and we kind of brag about it. The pain was intense for that time, but now it's kind of a, a, kind of a good memory even. But let me tell you what. The pain of rejection is not something we brag about. The pain of rejection does leave scars, but they're scars that we try to hide because I believe it to be one of the deepest wounds a human spirit could ever endure. And the opposite of rejection is acceptance. And the enemy fights that. He fights that so hard because he knows the deepest blow, the greatest punch that he could ever give us, the uppercut that will knock our lights out, is not this or that bump in the road, but if he could come against that acceptance with a spirit of rejection and get that thing into our soul, he knows that he is about to take us out. See, rejection is the feeling of being unwanted. It is the feeling of being excluded. 
worthless, not measuring up, not really belonging. That's what rejection says. Somehow you're on the outside looking in and you never know how to figure out how you can get on the inside and the pain gets so that you then say, to heck with it, I don't even care or want to be on the inside. This kind of inner experience and feeling is what I'm talking about when I'm talking about a spirit of rejection that the enemy wants to bring into our lives to destroy us. See, rejection is probably, I say again, the deepest wound that the heart can ever go through. And it has such a negative effect on our mindset, which affects our behavior. You can see the external of a broken heart. The external of rejection is uh, altered behavior, acting out of character to that which we were created and destined by God to do. And it causes us insecurity and it, and it causes us fear of the opinions of men and it causes that spirit of rejection, anger and bitterness and resentment and, and rebellion and even a desire to die because we weren't created to live under and with that re rejection. And eventually there's something in us that even becomes self-destructive because we don't even care to live under this uh, anymore. There are three common ways that people I found deal with rejection. See if you can identify with any of these. There's the person who gives in, then there's the person who holds out, and then there's the person who fights back. Those are three pretty common ways of dealing with the spirit of rejection. Looking at the person who gives in, that's the person who says to themselves, I can't take it anymore. I just can't take it anymore. Life is just too much. There is nothing I can do. And this rejection just sets into this downward spiral, this motion of downward spiral, uh, exploited by de demonic spirits. And boy, do they love to come in and take advantage of that. So out of that rejection comes loneliness, and out of loneliness comes misery, and out of misery comes self-pity. And then right on down from self-pity to depression, and right on down to despair or hopelessness, and out of despair and hopelessness comes an attitude of death, an attitude that doesn't want to go on living, or if I do, I don't care to be a part of the living, kind of a walking dead. And even the spirit of suicide tries to come in, and, 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 and it's an action to end it all, all from that spirit of rejection. That's the person that's just throwing in the towel. That person is just giving in. There's another way people deal with the spirit of rejection, and that's the person who holds out. Now, the person who holds out is the person who refuses to give in, so they build a defense. They build a facade. They feel, build a, a wall to keep a certain distance from people. You can only get but so close to me. And, and you kind of like Tim, the tool time tailor, his neighbor, you remember. You could see, you could see his eyes and that's about it. And, 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 and no one knows what he looks like because he was on, there was only going to be a certain distance there. There was wisdom there and there was a lot of funny things there. But, but there was a facade, there was a defense there. And this attitude usually is one of, of, of being indifferent. And it's most as, often associated with a superficial happiness, if I could say it that way, where the person seems to be outgoing. They, they seem to be even funny. They seem to be very talkative and, and, and uh, sometimes going overboard in those things. 
But what they're really saying on the inside is I've been hurt once so badly, I'm never going to give another person the opportunity to come that close to me. I'm not going to get hurt again. No one's going to touch me in that tender place. So whether it's through humor or whether it's through uh, uh, other means of, of attitude, they're going to keep you at a distance and you're never going to hear their heart really talk. You'll never hear the, 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 uh, the mumblings of their heart. Because it's all walled in. It's all covered in. Then there's a third way that people deal with this, and that is the person who fights back. The person who fights back. They become a fighter. Uh, they say, you hurt me, I'll hurt you. That's why that saying hurt people hurt people uh, is so true. Because this progression takes place. Uh, you hurt me. So now that, that leads, uh, I take that as rejection. So now I feel... Uh, this resentment begins to rise up. And as that resentment begins to rise up, where they're rescinding the anger, they're rescinding the hurt, they're rescinding the, the, the pain that they went through, and that leads to hatred, which leads to rebellion. And the Bible says that rebellion and witchcraft are twins. They're twins. So out of rebellion follows some involvement in the occult, usually. Uh, because that spirit is driving you and pushing you that way. You're a fighter, and to H with those righteous people, to H with, you know, you got this attitude, you got this fight, and you don't care anymore, and then that opens the door for, for these demonic spirits, especially of witchcraft and the occult, to just come in, and the next thing you know, you're dabbing in things you know you shouldn't be dabbing into. Now, all three ways that people deal with rejection have one common thing. They are all defensive. They're all a way to be defensive. They're trying to cover up their hurt. None, none of these are a positive solution. So these are not any of those three. None of those. If you check one as your, your preferred method, you don't check them because they're not the way. They only make things worse. They only make things worse. But the good news is God has a positive solution. Did you know that? God has a positive solution to every negative thing that would ever come against us. And here's the promise that, that was made that has been fulfilled in Jesus Christ. In Isaiah 61 and 1, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound like what Jesus said when he was there after reading uh, this from the scripture and saying this day is being fulfilled. I came to fulfill this. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. And he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. What, ha what did we read in Isaiah's prophecy earlier? That he was rejected. He was despised. He was broken. His heart was broken. So Jesus knows what he's talking about. John showed us through what the uh, soldier uh, with his spear did. That Jesus literally died of a broken heart. But here Jesus is preaching good news. I've come to heal the brokenhearted and to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. So Jesus says the enemy's come in to bind you. He's come in to hold you back. He's come in to take your quality of life. He's come in to get you off track from your purpose and your destiny. And Jesus says, I'm not going to let the devil uh, uh, run wreck of your life that way. He says, I'm going to give you an opportunity to get back on track. I'm going to give you an opportunity 
opportunity to get back on the ship. I'm going to give you an opportunity to get back in line. I'm going to get you an opportunity to get back into the perfect will that I have for you. The anointing and the gifts and the talents and the dreams that I planted and deposited in you for them to come back alive. He says, I'm coming and I'm stepping in the midst of this pain and brokenness of mankind and the works of the enemy and I'm going to take the blow for you. I'm going to take the punch for you. I'm going to take the curse for you. I'm going to take the rejection for you. I'm going to take the disease for you. I'm going to take the infirmity for you. He said, I'm going to take the punch for you because I love you that much. And if you just put your faith in me and what I've done, there can be that divine exchange and you can receive what I've come to give you. See, the remedy that God has provided for us for rejection comes through Jesus Christ, His Son, and the cross. It's secure. It's secure. It was at the cross where this divinely ordained exchange was written in blood and established in contract or covenant for anyone who will place their faith in it. Hebrews tells us that we have a better high priest than all of the high priests Aaron was great and all the high priests before were great, but Jesus was a better high priest. The Bible tells us that the covenant in the Old Testament was a covenant that God wrote in stone. It was a covenant that God gave, but Jesus came to give us a better covenant built upon better promises. So our hope is in Jesus. Our hope is in Jesus. That's why we're here, to lift up the name of Jesus. That's why we're here to worship Jesus. That's why we're here to declare victory and healing in the name of Jesus because the divinely ordained exchange written in blood was made in covenant by God to man available to us through Jesus Christ at the cross. See, Jesus took upon him all the evil that was due us that we might receive in turn by faith all the good that was due him. That's the divine exchange. We don't deserve it, so stop trying to say, I, I, when I do, I'm good enough, or when I get my act together long enough, then I deserve it. You deserve it right now if you place your faith in Jesus Christ. It wasn't based on what you do. It was based on what he has done. So now what we have to do is by faith just appropriate, take a hold of it. Go to our ATM machine, by faith put in our PIN code, and draw the deposit that God has made there for us. He was punished for our sins that we might receive forgiveness. He was wounded for our sickness that we might be healed. You need to hear that over and over. He was made sin that we might be made righteous. The righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Did you hear that? He was made sin so that you, the sinner, might be deemed righteous in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. He took on the curse that we might take on the blessing. He took on poverty that we might take on prosperity. He died our death that we might share his life. And he even identified that life as an abundant life that I've come to give you. And Jesus took our rejection on the cross. He was rejected by man and even when our sin was laid upon him... Rejected by his father for a few moments. That we might be accepted by man and accepted by God. Hallelujah. So I want to give you four practical steps on how to enter into what Jesus has provided for you. 
very practical things that we can do to enter into what he has provided for us. First, now you've got to do something here. Remember, this is not what makes you righteous. This is your act of faith so that you can tap into his righteousness that's been provided for you. Number one, you must forgive every person who has rejected or harmed you in any way. I didn't say you've got to approve of what they did. You don't have to agree with what they did. You don't have to in any way lessen uh, the, the impact of what they did, but you must forgive every person who has ever rejected you. And if you've lived any amount of time, and I know everyone in this room has, you meet that criteria, there's somebody who's rejected you. There's somebody who's caused you that deep pain of the heart. Mark 11, 25 uh, says, And whenever you stand praying, Jesus said, If you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your Father in heaven may also forgive your trespasses. Jesus said, you got to let it go. you got to let it go. Jesus said, I didn't come off of the cross. I could have. I could have called for a thousand angels and we could have destroyed every person that ever spoke a word against me. He says, but I, I went through that. And even while hanging there with the greatest pain of rejection and a heart almost ready, so rejected to physically explode, I said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And Jesus says, I've given you the example of what you must do to receive the provision of, provision of healing that I brought for you. So if you're standing praying even, he says, you, religious, he said, I love it that you're praying, but, but if you're praying, if you've got, you've got to first deal with this because this is hindering your, your, what you're to receive from God. Have you ever gone to church and gone to Bible study and, and, and been in worship service and really just didn't get anything? I mean, just didn't get anything from God. You didn't get anything from His Spirit. It was just like a coldness in the room. You know, that's, that's kind of what unforgiveness does. It puts a chill in us against God. And you can't receive the, the miracle working power of God flowing through you when you are in that rejection mode. So you got to forgive. And this applies especially in our attitude. And I hate to say it this way, but it needs to be said because the enemy plays this one the most. We must have this attitude to forgive our parents. Our parents. I've been counseling for almost 30 years and I've heard more people say, my mom, my dad, the dad wasn't there. The dad was there too much with a bad attitude. The mom, you know, and, and I understand uh, as a parent, I, I've become very compassionate towards parents because I didn't get a manual uh, when I was at the hospital. Dr. Wing, maybe write one. But when uh, we were, when Townsend was born, they, they did their stuff and I felt very good. But then within 24 hours, they had to get us out of there. And then we're walking, and I remember going to uh, the, the vehicle, and I didn't even really know how to put this car seat in this thing. And I'm thinking, I got this critter here, and I got to take care of him. His life depends on me. His demeanor, his character, his nature, everything, is I'm going to be a part of that, and I don't know what to do. And then I got to thinking, well, I'll do what was done to me. And I thought, oh, no, no, I'm that close to the crazy house had it not been for God for that. So I'm like, God, help me. And uh, being the first one, unfortunately, we had to do a lot of practicing on him. So if you ever see him in a fetal position, just come pray for him. He's going through some deliverance and stuff. 
but we've asked him to forgive us 5,000 times because we had to practice on him. Now we've got it pretty down pat by the third one, and Caleb's just soaring through. But then he's got another little daddy named Townsend that helps keep him in line too. And, uh, but Townsend's going to be one of the best dads because he let us practice on him. I think he's going to be one of the best dads I've ever seen. So we're not rushing that. Marriage comes first. <laughs> Marriage comes first. So let's just get the order right. Okay. We've got to forgive our parents. In too many cases, the rejection we deal with comes from the parent because the parent's the one closest to us who had to be there to help raise us without that manual that Dr. Wing is supposed to write that will be a bestseller. And, uh, and it's not Dr. Spock. We don't need that one for sure. Ephesians 6, uh, 2 and 3 says, Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. It's almost like God says, I know it's going to be tough. If anybody's going to make mistakes in your life, it's going to be your mom and dad. Because your mom and dad <coughs> have more to do and say about your developmental years than any other person on planet Earth if they're involved in your life. And if they're not involved in your life, then the devil's definitely going to take the, their void in absence and whisper in your ear to try and cause resentment and to cause this uh, rejection. So it's almost like God had to pad that commandment with, uh, with a, a gift, okay? So this is the first commandment uh, with a promise. So, so, and the promise is that you may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. So, so God says, I've got I to gotta sweeten this deal up for this to honor your mother and father. So in other words, it may be a challenge to do so because to honor them is not to say that they did not do make mistakes with you. You're honoring their position, their position that God has given them as a mother and a father. So it doesn't mean that they didn't cause rejection. It doesn't mean that they didn't have faults. I guarantee you they did. I'm dad and I definitely have faults. And it doesn't mean that they did everything right by you. They, they may have earnestly and honestly made mistakes. And, and, and then they may have just been a mean spirit in them that just the devil used to, to be, bring pain into your life. Or they may have been copying what was done to them and you see how it turned out with them, and now here it is you, with you. And you said, I'll never be like my mother. I'll never be like my father. And then years later, you're saying, you're like, I sound just like my mother. I sound just like my father. So, so we need a little grace here. But to honor your mother and father means to fix value on them. God used them to give you life. And we thank God for the giver of life, that, that even though through these broken vessels that God has given you the opportunity to live. You, you respect who they are as a mother and a father, and you speak well of them. And that may, may mean that you don't say a whole lot about them. Because I've met people whose parents were really whacked out. Really, really whacked out. And you couldn't say a whole lot of good about them, so then you just got to not say anything, really. But you have to honor your mother and father. So we need to forgive, forgive. And that may be your parents, whoever's brought the rejection, whoever the enemy has used to bring that rejection. In order for you to receive that divine transfer, you got to forgive that person, which then opens you up where God says, now I can come in. If my son would hang on the cross with, while you were a sinner, he died for you, and he said, Father, forgive him before he knows not what he does. If my son would do all of that for you, do you think you're going to usher in everything he's provided for you and healing and deliverance and joy unspeakable and all of that if you're going to live with unforgiveness? He said, uh-uh. So you got to forgive. 
Get that out the way and it opens you up for the divine transfer to take place. Second practical thing you need to do is you've got to lay down everything that rejection has brought in its train. Rejection brings with it, like I said, resentment and it brings with it rebellion and that has twin spirit of, of witchcraft and all this stuff, bitterness and resentment and hatred and rebellion. These things are poisonous. They are poisonous and, and if you nourish them, they will destroy you. You've got to get rid of them. They'll poison your whole life. It'll start in one area. Next thing you know, it's affected another area, which reminded me of this person who had fibromyalgia. It started in their elbow. Then it went to their wrist. Next thing you know, it was in their knees. And then in their hips, it was just like a poison spreading throughout their body. That's what re re rejection will do. The spirit of rejection, it opens the door to bring all this destruction into your life. And it causes deep emotional problems and that then roll over into physical problems as well. You cannot entertain these things. You need to make a resonant decision of your will. I can't do this for you. But you have to will it yourself to push them from you. To say as a decision of your will, I lay down bitterness, I lay down resentment, I lay down hatred, I lay down rebellion, I lay them down. I will not carry them anymore. You have to do that as an act of your will. And your will has been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, so you can make that decision if you want to. The third practical step in how to uh, get out of rejection and be delivered from the spirit of rejection is, <clears throat> and this one is a, an act of faith, where you must believe what God is saying in the Bible. So you've got to start with a standard that is better than the lie You've been believing. The spirit of rejection has been trying to give you what it calls your truth by telling you you are this or you're not that. You'll never do this. You'll never be that. You're not wanted. You're not loved. It will tell you that as your truth. So just like with a computer, you say I erase a file and they tell me you really cannot erase a file, but you can overwrite a file. You can erase it, which just basically says that file is available to be written over. And until you write over it, that, could be, uh, th that information could be taken back, brought back up, even though you've deleted it. So it's very, very similar to that, that we have to, by an act of faith, we have to overwrite that, override that uh, lie, which we believe this truth, with genuine truth. You will know the word, and the word will what? Set you free. When you know it, and knowing it is not mental assent to it, knowing it is a faith act to where you embrace it. You embrace it through your mind, but you embrace it until it becomes reality in your heart. That I know this is true, I don't care what I'm feeling, because the spirit of rejection will try to resurrect itself. That lie will try to resurrect itself. It will try to come back. That, that lie and vanity will always try to come back. But you say, no, I, I overwrote. I, I'm, I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. I have a new truth that I live by now. And that truth is what God's word says. That's an act of faith. 
And there again, just like you must exercise your own will to lay down everything that came with the spirit of rejection and resentment and bitterness and unforgiveness, just lay it down, you must also by an act of your faith say, I believe what God's word says. I don't care if I feel it. I don't care if I get goosebumps. I don't care if I fall out in the spirit. I don't care if it makes me shout or not. That, that, all of that stuff's good, but that's not the litmus test. God's word is true whether I feel it or not. God's word is true whether I understand it or not. And I choose to build my life on the truth of God's word. So you must accept that you are accepted by Christ. In Christ, you are no longer rejected. The Bible says you are now accepted. So you have to believe that. You say, but I don't feel accepted. You're not going by your feelings. You're walking by faith now. And as you walk by faith on the word, you will find the day will come you get established in it and nothing will move you. And you can live with joy every day. I'm telling you, Pastor Rodica, she, she, she says, what's the song going to be tomorrow? And I said, what do you mean? Every morning I wake up, the first thing, I'm singing a song. I'm singing, this is the day. Or I'm singing, a, you know, my, his breath has filled my lungs. So I'm going to sing out his praise. And I mix up the words because I got my own praise thing going, you know. And I just jump up and, and I'm singing. And she just laughs. She says, what's the song going to be tomorrow? I said, I don't know. I don't even think about it. But you can live with that kind of joy. You can live going from glory to glory and faith to faith. You can live an abundant life. Somebody says, no, I've, only, I've gone 10 days without anything bad happening. Knock on wood. Throw the wood in the bonfire. Come on now. That's witchcraft. Knock on wood. Come on now. Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life more abundant. It's his will. It's what he came to do. And, and as more, the more we can line up with him, the greater uh, experience we can have in him. Who said you got to go and, and almost die in order to live? Who said you got to do that? Now, if the enemy attacks us and brings us near to death, we're going to fight with everything we got to come out of that, uh, from under that attack with victory and get back to the top. Amen? I'm not saying we're out of the warfare. There's a warfare taking place. But let me tell you what, you don't have to live your life so up and down by every mood that, of any spirit that is around you to where you are praying Jesus' prayer that he taught us. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven and you are, the, you are the conduit of which heaven is flowing into this earth. You can live some heaven on earth, if I could say it that way. Amen. But you've got to accept that you are accepted in Christ. That's what the Word says, right? Ephesians 1. Look at Ephesians 1, verses uh, 4, 5, and 6. God chose us in Him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. The beloved has made us accepted. We are accepted in the beloved. We are accepted in him. Do you see that? And what that really means is when we come to God in Jesus, we are the objects of his special favor. Hallelujah. God has no second class children. The spirit of rejection says you're second, third, or fourth class. That's a lie from hell. 
What truth are you going to believe? The word says here, you are, you are accepted in him. You are special to him. You are in the beloved. I'm telling you, he says, you are favored by me. So God has no second class children. He, you know, we're not just tolerated. The enemy says, I'm just tolerating you. No, that's a lie from hell. You're held at a distance because of the aroma of your... No, that's a lie from hell. God does not try our case to see if we qualify. He says when you come to him through Jesus Christ, his son, through Christ, he says my arms are welcomed, my arms are open. You are my child. You are special. You are my beloved. We are the object of his special love and his special favor and his special protection and his special provision. All he wants you to do is run into his arms. You are not rejected, but you are accepted in him. So we must, by faith, believe the word of God. Over, we can't erase the lies, but we can overwrite the lies with the truth. And the truth is that maybe you're not perfect, but Jesus, who was perfect, made access for you through his blood to be the perfected in the eyes of your father. And your heavenly father says, there is no sin that I would reject you. There is no blemish that I would reject you. If you come to me through my son Jesus, the, I mean, that was predestined before you were even born, that Jesus made a way that you could come to him in that great way. We've got some property down in North Carolina, it's just dirt. We were down there in that dirt and it was wet, and dirt wet is mud. And we drove through the mud and, and uh, we built a bonfire and, and spent the night there and, and uh, just, a, just a little quick getaway and get back. And, and I have a black vehicle. I don't know why, I just love classy black vehicles. To me, they just look good. And uh, if your, your vehicle may be beige, that's fine. You drive your beige. It's classy, too. Yours may be gray. It's awesome. I just love black vehicles. And, and, uh, but black vehicles with red clay uh, splattered up on the side of them really shows the dirt. And uh, so when we get back, the first thing we unpack and unload, and I said, I got to get my vehicle washed. And, and uh, the family's all there, and I'm gone. A little bit later, I come back, and it's all shining. It went through the car wash. And the car wash is set up with such structure, machinery, nozzles, and everything that is set in place that it is to hit every visible sign or visible aspect of the vehicle so that no matter, I mean, it went in, and it, you could tell. I mean, it's a black vehicle, and this mud was red, and it was all over it, and it comes in. And when it comes out, it's sparkling. It looked like it came off of the showroom floor, especially when the guys dried it all down. Because that car wash is set up, that's what its function, that's what it does. Well, that's what the blood of Jesus does for us in a greater sense. That we, though we are, have sinned, and we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and it'd be red as crimson, and it's just... It's just it's a, a, a blot that man can't remove. It's a spot that is, cannot be tamed. But when we come to Jesus and we come through his redemptive work that he did for us, he did it for us, that a miracle takes place. And when we come out, the Father's arms are wide open. And you're, the devil's telling you, no, no, you still remember the mud. You remember how it smelled. You remember how it looked. You can, you're rejected. And that, that's the lie. 
But the truth is, the Father says, you're coming through what my Son provided for you. You are clean. You're accepted. You're the, you're the, the special uh, apple of my eye. Come unto me. You are accepted. You have to believe that. Because it is the truth. And that lie that you were believing cannot just be uh, 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 put into a negative holding place or just put on Paul somewhere or just some whiteout put over it. it. It has to be overwritten. It has to, you have to write over it with the truth. And you must say, devil, you're a liar. I am accepted. I am not rejected. I am accepted in Christ Jesus. And you must say it until your mind and your heart and your spirit and your soul is so established in it, then the lying spirit of rejection leaves you because it finds it has no more effect on you anymore. I wish I could tell you it would happen with one time, but it doesn't. Same with your healing. Same with your prosperity. Same with everything. The devil is going to lie to you and try his best to keep you in the muck of where he has you. But you've got you've to become a man or a woman of the word. And I didn't say you've got to quote the whole Bible. You can just take the one scripture. All you need is by his stripes, I'm healed. All you need, all you need is I'm not rejected. The word of God says that now I am accepted in the beloved. Amen. So we must, as an act of faith, we must take the word of God as truth. And then the fourth and final practical step so that we can get, walk away and get healed of this spirit of rejection and freed from the spirit of rejection is you must accept yourself as God's beloved. You don't just believe it now that that's what the word says. You must accept it as reality for you. And for most people, I would say, this is the hardest step. I've seen people go through step one, step two, step three, and they get here and it, they wrestle. They wrestle here. We look back at our record. We have that tendency. All of us have a record of failures. If you don't, there's a fake halo at the Welcome Center. You're welcome to take it home and wear it tonight. We'll, we'll laugh at you. It's a dunce's cap, okay? We all have failed, right? And, and the enemy wants to, you to rehearse your lists of failures, to re rehearse your false starts. Anybody ever had a false start? You were going to do something, and you were going to, and then you did just the opposite, or you didn't do it. He'll get you to rehearse your broken relationships. Well, you've hurt this one, you've hurt that one, and many times uh, the enemy will show you those who are having a hard time forgiving you for the stupid that you've done to them, right? So he'll try to bring that, bring you back in the whirlwind of their pain. And you know, you know you're the one that caused their pain. And now here you're getting all free and full of joy and peace and, and the favor and the blessings and the anointing of God. And they're over there still locked in their prison of rejection. But you're the one that, that rejected them and caused that. And the devil will say, he'll try to get you to rehearse that, to pull you back into it. Your broken marriage over children that you've made mistakes and you, you were a part of sending them down the wrong path. And the enemy will bring that back over your financial disasters. Anybody in here ever had any financial disasters? They're very, very painful. And we may label ourselves failures. And the enemy wants to put super glue on that label so that it will rip your skin off 
to in order to remove it. So you'll try to take the label off of failure and it's so painful to try and remove the label that you'll leave it there. Where you scratched its surface, you'll just rub it back down and leave the label of failure and, and, and the enemy wins. But you must take this act further of believing the word of God and now you must understand that God labels you my son, my daughter. And you must accept yourself. Not because you've done it right. Not because you've been easy on your parents or easy on your children. You know what I'm saying? Not because you've got to learn to accept yourself because God has accepted you. You have to. I know it's the hardest part, but you have to do that. It may not even seem fair, and it's really not fair. Because if you got, if you got justice, you would be burning in hell. So we don't want justice, right? We want mercy. And through the mercy of God, He, through Jesus Christ and your faith in Him, has now labeled you His son, labeled you His daughter, and He said, now you must accept yourself because I've accepted you. See, when you come to God in Jesus, you're a new creation. Don't forget that. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away and all things have become new. We must embrace that. And in Ephesians 2 and 10, he says, For we are his workmanship. Do you see that word? Workmanship. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And that word workmanship is poemon in the Greek, and it's the word we get our, it's the Greek word we get our word poem from, and it means an artistic masterpiece. A beautiful piece of art. So God, in His Word, when He said, You are His workmanship, you are His poeme, you are His artistic masterpiece, you are His beautiful piece of art. You're God's masterpiece. Don't criticize yourself. If you criticize yourself, you're criticizing God's handiwork. Do you see what I'm saying? Don't do that. The enemy wants you to criticize yourself so that you can criticize the handiwork of God so that he can have an open door to get you to walk out of the path and get off of the track that, the, uh, that the God has created for you. But don't do that. Accept yourself because God has accepted you. Amen? Are you ready to pass from rejection to acceptance? Are you tired of living in the yo-yo of where Satan's had you? Playing with your emotions? Playing with your mind? Oh man, you just need a break from it all. And the world's ways of offering a break from it causes more problems, causes more trouble, causes more rejection. Are you ready to say, devil, I, I wish you could say this in church. I wish you could say, devil, to hell with you. Oh, I found a way to say it in church. <laughs> and God, I'm going your way. I'm going your way. Are you ready to pass from rejection? There's a, it's a spirit. It's been suffocating you. It's been the thing that's been holding you under the water. And it'll let you get just enough breath to keep living so that you can live in misery. They won't let you die. It'll hold you under. 
to where you are so panicky because everything is coming on you so harsh and it's destroying you, but then it'll snatch you by the hair of the head, pull you up just to get a breath of air to keep you alive so it can keep torturing you. That's what the spirit of rejection has been doing. But you can move from the spirit of rejection into the acceptance that God has for you. Are you ready to do it? Here's your four practical steps. First, you've got to forgive everyone who has rejected you. They've messed up. I know we're in a courtroom. We could send them to jail. There's evidence there. They, if, if, they were to be, if there was a prison sentence for rejection, they've rejected you. I know it. The jury would find them guilty. I know it. But you've got to say, I've rejected God, and I've rejected others as well. And I don't want to be sent to the same prison that I would have them sent to. So, Jesus, I look to you, and you offered forgiveness on the cross that while I was rejecting you, you forgave me. And I'm going to do what you did so that I can have what you provided. So I'm going to forgive them. I'm going to, choice of my will, I'm going to do it. And now I'm going to second step, lay down all bitterness. I'm putting it on. I've been holding it. It's been a grudge. I've been, I've been, I've been and proud of it at times, but I'm letting it go. I'm letting it go. Bitterness, resentment, hatred, rebellion, no more. And then I'm going to accept what the Word of God says. And the Word of God says that I am accepted by God in Christ. So I don't live with a spirit of rejection anymore. I've lived with the endowment of acceptance that God has given to me. And then I do that fourth and that final one. I accept myself. I'm not going to torture myself. I'm not going to beat myself up. I'm not going to make myself pay for the mess-ups I've done because that's the devil's trick to hold me down. I'm going to step out and be the poem, the poem of God. I'm going to I'm going to see myself as the artistic masterpiece of God. That God you've deposited, you've worked on me as an artist would sit with the stroke of the brush and to get the light just right and the paint and mix it just so to get the right complexion of the right shadow of the right line of the right everything so that it was to their pleasure. God has deposited gifts and anointings and purpose and destiny in you and it's beautiful but it's been locked away it's been in a storage unit while all this other mess has been going on but now you get rid of that mess and you open up the storage room and you say I'm going to be who God's created me to be and that's a life of discovery it's not something you get overnight it's not something you're going to get before you leave here. It's discovering. You're like, wow, what's in this box? Whoa, that gift is in me. I didn't even realize that gift was in me. Oh, wow, I'm doing this, and I find that there's a, that's easy for me to do. And others are finding it hard for them to do that, but that's easy for me. There's an anointing for me to do that. And you will find your way fulfilling the destiny that God has for you. But you have to accept yourself. So if you're ready to pass from rejection to acceptance, I want us to stand. And as we stand in your presence, Lord, I pray, God, a miracle, a miracle of heaven would take place here on earth tonight. Lord, let a miracle break through. As you stood, Jesus, and said, I've come to heal the brokenhearted. Show yourself mighty here tonight, God, by your Holy Spirit. And Lord, with that same heart and mindset and desire to heal the brokenhearted, Lord, to show yourself here in such a powerful way to bring healing to the brokenhearted. 
And Lord God, as we bow our heads before you, Lord, and we stand here in your presence, Lord, we just open this altar now. And Lord God, if there's anyone here that can identify the trick of the enemy through a spirit of rejection that had been holding them back in any area of their life, but tonight they are going to break free through what you provided for them, and they're going to move into the acceptance of you, Lord God. I just pray, God, they would just come to this altar now. And Lord God, we're going to have a closing prayer around this altar, and we're going to move, we're going to pass from rejection to acceptance. Lord God, we're going to come against the spirit of rejection, and, and we're going to demand it release its hold on our lives, and, and, and all this destruction that it had planned for us, we're going to come against it tonight, God, and we're going to move here, Lord God, tonight, back on track with what you've created for us to do. So, Lord God, we just step out and we say, God, is an act of faith. We, we move forward around this altar tonight, God, because I want to take your word and I want to make myself. God, I want you to identify, here am I. I want you by your spirit to do a work in me. I'm willing to work with you, co-labor with you, God, but I need a miracle. I need your help, God. I don't want to live with this spirit of rejection anymore. I don't want to tolerate it anymore. I want to be freed from it. So I can discover all that I am that's created in you, the workman that you so desire for me to be. Hallelujah. So Lord God, here around this altar tonight, Lord God, we just want to thank you. We want to thank you for the miracle before it manifests. Come on, let's pray. Say, God, I thank you that you love me. Come on, let's pray this prayer. Let's talk to God. Say, God, I thank you that you love me. That you gave Jesus, your son, to die on my behalf. That he bore my sin. That he took my rejection. That he paid my penalty. And now I come to you through him. I am not rejected. I am not unwanted. I am not excluded. You really love me. You really love me. I'm really your child. You're really my father. And I belong to your family. And I belong to the best in the universe because I'm the, in the best family in the universe. Say, say, Lord, I just thank you. Heaven is my home. I really belong. Now, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, you would just give me an authority right now that only you could give, God, that would come against any spirit of rejection that has been on your daughter, any, any spirit of rejection that has been on your son. I come against that spirit in the name of Jesus. I rebuke you, Satan. I rebuke your lies right now. Your daughter is free right now in the name of Jesus, I pray. Lord God, in the name of Jesus, your son is free from that spirit of rejection. We come against it even now. Free him, I pray, Lord God. Your son is free. Lord God, he is free. I come against that lie. Come against that spirit of rejection right now in Jesus' name. And God, I pray that you would release, Lord, upon those all here on this altar and everyone in this congregation, Lord God, a spirit of acceptance, Lord God, that they would receive it right now, that they are the accepted in the beloved, Lord God, that they are sons and daughters of you, Lord God, that they have purpose and destiny, Lord God. Raise them up, Lord. 
Fill them, Lord, with your spirit. Fill them, Lord, with your anointing. Fill them, Lord, with your love. Fill them, Lord, with your acceptance. Fill them, Lord, I pray. And, Lord God, as we would go forth into this night, Lord God, we would go in the power, and we would go in your might, we would go in your love, and we would go to with this great exploration to go and to expand in the sea and to explore everything that you've created us for, Lord God, that we would not take one day for granted, but we would fulfill your will for our lives here on this earth, that we would be the advancement of your kingdom on this earth. Lord God, in the name of Jesus, take and touch and bless and anoint and heal and deliver every person, Lord God, under the sound of my voice, in the name that is above every name, that is the name of Jesus Christ, we plead the blood over each and every one of you as we go now in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen and Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God.